first reading uh, this morning is from Psalm 119, uh, verses 1 to 16, and that can be found on page 436 uh, in your pew Bibles. Uh, A psalm of praise uh, that God's ways are the right ways. Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his ways pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading comes from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1. That can be found on page 835 of your pew Bibles. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Archaea. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the word of God. Let me add my welcome. My name is Paul. If you haven't met, it's great to be here at Morning Church uh, preaching God's word to you. I love that verse from Psalm 119 we've just read. He said, I have hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart. And I just pray that we would do that this morning as we grapple with the word of God. So let me pray. 
Father, thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you continue to shape us and transform us by your spirit and through your word. So please do that mighty work in each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name. On your newsletter, if you turn to the back of the newsletter, you'll find this phrase at the bottom. It's called, uh, Living for Jesus and Loving Like Jesus. That's what we, as a church, claim to be. A church, a group of people who are living for Jesus and loving like Jesus. It's on our notice board outside. It's on our newsletter. It's on our website We're claiming to be people who are living every day under the Lordship of Christ and loving one another, both within this family and in the world, like the Lord Jesus Christ would love them. You are claiming to do that. We are claiming to do that. That's a pretty big claim, isn't it? It's a bold statement. What we're saying is that if somebody walks into this building any Sunday... As they spend time with us, as they watch us, as they watch the way that we relate to each other, as they watch what we do in these gatherings, they should say, this is a group of people who who love Jesus. This is a group of people who are really committed to living their life for Jesus. And wow, the way that those people care for one another and, and love one another and their attitude towards their community and their world Wow, this is God's church. See, that's what we're claiming. And I have to say, up front, I'm really, really thankful. I'm really thankful for the people that God has brought to this church family who are doing that. You see the way that they're conducting their life, and they are striving, and they are desiring to live for Jesus in their everyday life. And you see the way that they actually love each other in the pews. You see the way they care for one another. And they see that they're concerned for the lost in the world. What we're going to do over the next six weeks, we're going to spend six weeks looking at this letter to the, one, the, uh, to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. And the reason that we're doing that is because Paul describes this church as the model church. That's the word he uses In verse 7, he says, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Throughout that that region, people are talking about this church in Thessalonica saying, that is what church should be like. Now, what was Thessalonica like? Let me give you some background. Thessalonica was the, the second largest city in Greece. If you visited there during the day, you could, you could stroll down the promenade, you could take a a drink in one of the, the cafes, open-air cafes. You could wander around the beautiful harbor. You could watch the trading ships come and go. You could go and do some shopping at one of the latest Roman-style shopping malls. And at nighttime, lots of open-air alfresco restaurants or go dancing at a Roman club. It was a cosmopolitan, prosperous, cultured city. It was called Thessalonica. And Paul went there in AD 50, he'd just been persecuted, imprisoned in Philippi, and he walked 160 kilometers to Thessalonica. And when he got there, he didn't lie on a beach, 
He didn't take a break. He just preached Jesus. He's actually a great model of an evangelist. You could read about it in Acts 17. Paul went straight to the synagogues, and for three Sabbaths, he sat down with the Jewish people, and he reasoned with them. That's the word that's used. He reasoned with them. He listened to them. He debated with them. He said, have you heard about the Messiah? He had to suffer. He had to die. He had to rise again. And it was amazing. After three Sabbaths, we're told that some people became Christians. A large number of people became Christians. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? You preached for three Sundays, and lots of people became Christians. But not everyone liked it, and so they gathered a mob, and they drove him out of the city. And so Paul left behind this, this very small group of Christians. That was a church. And he's, he's wandering through Berea and through Athens. He's thinking, how are those Christians doing? And so he sent Timothy back to them. And Timothy comes back to Paul and says, actually, they're doing really, really well. They're still following Jesus. And then so Paul wrote this letter to them. It's one of Paul's earliest letters. It's a beautiful letter, a really personal letter. And he says, you are the model church. So what's this model church going to look like? Three points this morning. Here's, here's the first one. A model church, if this is working, which is not, a model church is a people who are belonging to God. That's the first point. Screen's gone. That's okay. A people belonging to God. That's the most important thing about church. You actually belong to God. You're not just a random group of people. You're not good people. You are God's people. Look at verse 1. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that's actually a very unusual way to describe the church. In the other letters, Paul says something like, to the church of God in Thessalonica. To the church of God in Kiribati. To the church of God in Ephesus. Here he says, the church of the Thessalonians, in God. See the difference? They are Thessalonians. That's the city they live in. But the difference is that these people actually belong to God. They're in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. They abide in Jesus. That's what unites them. And that's the most important thing I'm going to say this morning. More than anything else, people need to see us as people who have this intimate relationship with God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. People need to see these people have peace with God. These people, they know they're forgiven. Yeah. Belonging to God is far, far, far more important than being on any roster here at church. More important than being on the music team or on the morning tea or welcoming your kids' church. It is more important than giving your money. The question is, do you belong to God? Are you in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, what does that mean? What well, Paul tells you in verse 4. He says, For we know, brothers loved by God, that God has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. H how do you know that you are in God the Father? There's two beautiful phrases in verse 4. You're loved by God, and you're chosen by God. For we know... Brothers loved by God, that God has chosen you. I'm, I'm really glad in verse 4 that it says brothers loved by God rather than saying brothers who love God. 
See the difference? It's not me who loves God, it's God who loves me. If it was down to my love for God, then my relationship would be wobbly because my love for God goes up and down. But I'm told here that these people are loved by God. God loves them. He sees all their baggage, all their failings, but he still loves them with a steadfast, unconditional, cross-centered love. Loved by God, and verse 4, they're chosen by God. God sees them from the beginning of time and elected them and he chose them. That's what it means to belong to God. You're loved by a, a heavenly father. You're chosen by him. You're in God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The model church must consist of people who belong to God. At a belonging course, I always ask the question, can a person belong to church if they don't belong to God? And I want to say, if you don't belong to God, you are really welcome here every single Sunday. We love you coming. We love you sitting here. We, we want to care for you. We want to welcome you, build relationships with you, want to support you and encourage you. But you cannot belong to an earthly gathering of people who call themselves brothers and sisters until you first belong to God. And that's what defines us. We as a people... We are brothers and sisters in God, loved by him, chosen by him. That's what makes us different. Uh, but how do you know? How do you know you really belong to God? Uh, according to Paul, you can tell by your attitude to the gospel, your attitude towards God's word. H how do you know you're chosen? Verse 4, God has chosen you. We know he's chosen you. Verse 5, because our gospel, uh, the proclaimed word of God, it came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, and in spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And see, for the Thessalonians, when Paul preached the gospel to them, he did use words. He actually articulated the truth of the gospel. People need to hear about Jesus but it wasn't just words. It wasn't kind of blah 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 words, words, words. Something happened. When Paul preached in Thessalonica, those words made sense. The lights went on. And for the Thessalonians, they were life-changing words. They heard the gospel, and the Spirit of God deeply convicted them and said, Yes, he is the Messiah. See, that's what happens when you preach the gospel. Suddenly, the eyes are open, the lights go on, and people say, Yes. And so if you are in God the Father, if you are loved by God, and if you are chosen by God, you will have that attitude towards the Word of God where you say, this is the Word of God, and the Spirit of God is convicting me that these are life-changing words. And so I want to ask you at this point in this sermon series, when was that for you? When was it that the gospel was not simply words? But the gospel was actually life-changing words. And the Spirit of God grabbed you and convicted you and said, Yes, yes, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is my Lord and my Savior. And for me, it was when I was 21. I'm sorry, when I was 20, which is 21 years ago. And that, that's when the penny dropped. And for, for two years, I'd heard words, 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 words. And suddenly, the Spirit of God said, No. These are life-changing words. What's the model church? 
people who belong to God. That is totally liberating, isn't it? It is liberating because if this church grows, it is not because we have persuaded people. It's not because we've twisted people's arm to believe. It's because the Spirit has convicted them that the gospel is true. This year is the year of reaching those that we know. There are three people we want to see come to faith. And this truth, that it's God who chooses and God who loves, it's actually liberating there as well. All you're called to do is pray for them and to talk about Jesus and let the Spirit of God convict them and bring them in. What's a model church like? A people belonging to God. Secondly, it's a people working for God. Look how they're described in verse 2. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul remembers their faith, their love, their hope, their faith in Christ, their, their love for God, their love for others, and for their hope in Christ. That certainty, that confidence of eternal life. But Paul does not just say your faith, your love, and your hope. Look at it again. What does he remember? He remembers their, their work produced by faith. And their labor prompted by love. And their endurance inspired by hope. Paul remembers a, a faith that works and a, a love that labors and, and a hope that endures. They're active words. And what Paul is saying is that for this church, their faith caused them to labor. Their love caused them to labor. Their hope caused them to work for God. It's actually the language of a building site, that labor word, that work word, that endurance word. It's sweat, it's toil, it's labor for Jesus. Because God loves me, because God has chosen me, I just want to work for him. I want to serve him. That's faith in action. It looks like, it looks like to belong to God. You know, it's not just what you believe. It, it's what you do because you believe. It's not just what you believe. It, it's what you do because you believe. That's the argument in the book of James, isn't it? You claim to have faith. Show me your faith. I'll, I'll show you my faith by what I do. Suppose a man walks into our church and he's hungry and he's lacking clothing, and, and you say, oh, good on you, I'll, I'll pray for you, go well. Is that true faith? Well, faith actually works. Faith actually feeds them and clothes them and, and cares for them. You can devour all the theology books in the world and articulate the most deep doctrinal truths, but the evidence of your faith is it shows itself in work, in action. And this model church is full of people. They're known as people who are working and laboring and enjoying for Jesus. Let's just focus on that, that one phrase in verse, two, verse 3. Your labor prompted by love. A love that labors. You see, love is, is an action word. It's not just a feeling. And this church was known as people who are loving like Christ's love, you know, selflessly, graciously, consistently. But we as a church should be known as, as lovers. We should be known as lovers, people who labor away, even when we're weary and tired, because we love God and we love other people. And Paul was the greatest example. 
Paul was a lover. He went to Thessalonica because he loved God. He chose not to have a holiday, but to actually to go to labor in Thessalonica. He sent Timothy back because he loved them. He wrote this letter because he loved them. That's what it does. When you love Jesus, it, it changes the way that you love others. What would that look like here at Church by the Bridge? A love that labors. It will look like that you're eager to find just the small opportunity at your particular stage of life, whatever life looks like for you, just to love somebody in some small way. It might, might be loving a child in, in kids' church by going to teach kids' church some mornings. It, it might be just praying for Kirby kids because you're at the stage of life where you can't come and help, but you can sit at home and you can pray. That's a love that labors. It could be that there'll be people in these pews who really need your care and support. And it might mean that you, you, you love them by giving up your Saturday morning to do, do, do their shopping for them. It might be that you love them by actually inviting them into your home and sharing a meal with them. It might be that you love them by sitting and listening with them and crying with them and praying with them. It might be that you love them by actually giving them some financial help. A love that labors, it means that you actually love people who are harder to love and you don't even particularly like, but they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes you'd much rather sit and watch the footy or, or go for a run, but you choose to spend that time listening and, and crying and caring and supporting because you love God and so you love other people. That's a love that labors. Even when you're weary, you keep loving each other. It's not just each other in the church, though. Paul loved the world. Paul loved the unbelievers. That's the way he evangelized. Isn't that the church that we want to be? Not just a church full of events and activities and programs. Not just a church where we fill rosters with people who are guilted into serving. Not just a church where we have to twist people's arm to do things. But a church where we're so radically changed by the Lord Jesus Christ that we just want to serve. We want to labor for Jesus because we love God and we love each other. And people know us as a church that labors out of our love. Someone said that uh, there, are, there are really five gospel accounts. There are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and your life. And most people don't read the first four gospels, but they do read the fifth. And that's the, the joy and the challenge, isn't it? Is, is my life demonstrating my love for God by the way that I, I work and I serve and I love other people? Just doing life together, working together for the Lord. And that's the model church, belonging to God, working for God. And my last point is this. We're people who are witnessing to everybody else, to all other people. This model church was a, was a missional church. It was a missional church. And I'm not sure whether the, the Thessalonian church ever put on an outreach event or not. He's not talking about events. What he's saying here is that because the Thessalonians love God and because they're working hard for God, uh, people are just naturally hearing about Jesus because this community of people are working out their faith. 
It's a missional church. Look how they're described in verse 7. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. That's extraordinary. The message was being shouted out from ringing out to the whole of Asia. It's like everywhere people went, they were saying, have you heard about that church in Thessalonica? Have you heard about them? It's like they love God. And the way they love each other and the way that they serve, wow, that gospel must be life-changing. Please don't underestimate the power of what I call holy gossip. Where people are saying, have you heard about that church in Kirribilli? Like the people, it's like they have different priorities and the way that they care for each other and the way that they love our world, there must be something in that Lord Jesus thing. I should go and check it out. The gospel rings out from us, not by the events that we put on, but the lives that we live. Our, our attitudes, our priorities, what we care about, who we care about. So what are the people in Asia saying about the church in Thessalonica? What's the gospel message being preached? I have to say I'd be pretty happy if people looked at church by the bridge and understood this about the gospel. Verses 9 and 10. They tell, so the message that is ringing out, the gospel is being proclaimed by the lives that are being lived, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. As people look at this Thessalonian church, they say, to be a Christian, it means turning and, and serving and waiting. These people have turned from idols. They've turned their back on success, on looks, on intellect, on money, on sex, on family, all the things that we, we, we live for. They've turned their back on those things. They've turned around and they've turned to the true and living God. And they're serving him. They're not just talking. They're not just hearing sermons. They're not just building up this knowledge. They're actually serving the true and living God. They're so busy all the time, but working for Jesus. I've heard they even do a community lunch. Why would they do that? Oh, because they love Jesus. Oh, I've heard that they put on made fair markets. Why would they do that? Oh, it's because they love Jesus. I've heard they run Kilby Kids. Why would they put a kids' activity on Saturday? Oh, it's because they love Jesus. They turn, they serve, and oh, they're waiting. They're looking and they're longing for this event called the return of Christ because he's the one who's going to rescue them from the coming wrath. When you see that word waiting in verse 10, please don't think inactive laziness. To wait is an active longing, an expectant longing. It's the picture that you see on the, uh, on the train station where it says next train is two minutes away. And the whole of the platform just sort of turns and looks in one direction. They're sort of waiting and looking and longing. We're kind of living life here on earth with our eyes fixed saying, is he going to come? When's he going to come? Because he's the one I'm waiting for. He's the one I'm living for. Now here's the thing. People throughout Asia could articulate the gospel by looking 
at the way the Thessalonian church lived their lives. Isn't that extraordinary? People could, could articulate the gospel by looking at the way that this church lived their lives. And I do know lots of people who have come to faith through that, you know. I can think of four friends of mine who have come to faith because of a local church that were living differently. And that was very attractive to them. So are we going to be a church that's living for Jesus and loving like Jesus? I do hope so. And I think we are. So many of us, that you see that they're making decisions because they love Jesus. And they're caring for each other because they love Jesus. But please don't just fill your sermon notes this morning with a lot of nice ideas. Please go home and ask those three questions. Do I really belong to God? Am I in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm loved by God. I'm chosen by God. Am I really working for God? Is my faith being shown in action? And are we witnessing? Are we shouting to the world? We're different because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Uh, the psalmist said, I've hidden your word in my heart. Lord God, I pray that you would take this word this morning and hide it deep within our heart. Spirit, would you please help us to, to remember what it really means to be loved by you and chosen by you. Uh, please help us to, to think in our own lives how we might just labor, whatever that looked like for us individually. Help us to, to show our love for you by the way that we work for you. And Lord, we just long for this church here in Kirribilli to, to ring out the gospel, that people might hear and understand how glorious our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, really is. In his name we pray.